Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 67 of the Wealthier Together podcast. During this interview, I'm interviewing Brenna Stanford, and she is a empowerment coach for moms. And so what we talk about during this interview is how moms can choose faith over fear during the waiting process, whether it's waiting to find out when coronavirus is going to go away or waiting to buy a new house, waiting to have another child, whatever it is, she talks about how you can choose faith over fear and make use of the time when you're waiting. So go ahead and check out this interview with Brenna Stanford. Brenna is an empowerment coach for moms. She helps them to find emotional freedom and take back their days. She is a wife and a mom of four, all under seven years. She's been working in ministry, empowering God's people with everyday applicable tools for 10 years. While she started in youth ministry as a young adult, her journey through motherhood has led her to working with moms. Brenna has an online community of over 2,000 mamas. She has authored a highly interactive 30-day devotion for moms, and she has been featured to speak at several women events. She knows deeply what it is to trust the Lord and wait for the promises of God, and her story has been one filled with insanely fast moves of God and a lot of waiting in between them. So good morning, Brenna. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much. So can you tell us a little bit more about your story? What brought you to the work that you're doing now? Uh, Yes, Um, it goes back, way back. Um, Who I am now and what I'm doing is not at all who I've been. So praise the Lord for that. Um, But when God saved me, I was probably 17 or 18. Um, I was 17 and it was very radical. It was a very radical change. I didn't even want to be at church. There was the whole story of why I was even there, but that's not for today. Um, but the following moves that happened, they happened at a very quick pace. Uh, so once within a month of starting church, I was saved another few weeks to a month later, I was serving as a student leader in our youth ministry. Um, within three months of that, I felt like the Lord had called me into ministry and my youth pastor and I were planning an internship a little over a year after serving as an intern, I was offered a full-time position at the church. And uh, what I didn't know then was that year of waiting that seemed so long that it was God building my endurance for the way that he would be moving and working in my life. And so about a month after I, I started working there, I was, God introduced me to my husband in a really crazy way, but within four months we were married, not just engaged, but married. And it was, yeah, it was really fast. And after that is when God started giving me dreams shortly after we got married. I started having some dreams and there were three of them that were very pivotal. And one of them was a dream of my children, another a dream of ministry, and another, the only word I have to even describe it is a dream of an awakening. And with each of those dreams, I had a thought as to how it would play out (laughs) and uh, what that would look like. And so far with the ones that are, that have come to pass and that are still in the process of working, what I'm finding is that the only place that has some error in what I had thought were the places that was unclear in the dream and where I had filled it with what I thought and what I would imagine would be God's will, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever do that. 
<laughs> but I sure did. Yeah. And so, but after that, after those dreams that again, they happened in a really short time period together, that's when the waiting started and it's been about nine years and uh, we have all of our children now and I am in the middle of seeing God work in the ministry that, and I, and I see that starting to come to pass in again, a way completely different than what I thought. And then the awakening, it's, I'm really, it's just, that's the thing that I was like, Oh God, this one, let's do this one first. And I'm finding mm -hmm. that apparently we're going to be waiting for that one. But during that time of waiting those years, I, I really faced some challenges. Doubt was a big one and redefining what doubt actually was. Like I couldn't stop trying to make my own plans and put my hands on it and say, God, you're not doing this fast enough. You're not doing this correctly. It's supposed to be done this way. And I faced some severe depression. I discovered I had a lot of limiting beliefs and I lived in this very emotional battle between the life that I knew God promised and the reality that I saw. And so through that and through that journey, uh, here we are today and there's been a lot of learning and discovering and within the last probably five to six months, the Lord has been like, listen, this is what we're doing and you're going to use everything I've taught you and we're going to share it and we're going to help others. I'm like, all right, are you sure you want me? But here we are. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Yes. I'm sure a lot of women moms can relate to it. And there's some, something that came to mind when you were telling your story about that, where, you know, that area where God, you know, that God showed you a vision of something, but you are in the present and there's that in between. And so I've noticed mm -hmm. that a lot of women and that in between, that's either where they, you know, us overachievers and doers like to either make it happen for him or <laughs> we do, or the other extreme is just squandering that time, which is really supposed to be when we're supposed to build those skills, those habits, those mindsets that we're going to need to enter whatever that promise is. So I think that's really, that's also important to note because we can't, we have to use that time wisely. And I think you were mentioning how you kind of use that time wisely. So how do you really make the best of that in-between time that we all hate, but we all have to go through? <laughs> Yeah, the in the meantime, I believe there was a moment where I got to <laughs> preach a little message on that one, because that is so hard. And like you said, it's a struggle for all of us. And we all really do tend to do one of the two things. And I feel like going back to the, I'm, I was just reminded in Revelations where, where God was like, you know, you need to either be hot or cold, stop, you know, being lukewarm. And I just picture God like reining us in because there's been times where, and I don't know about your personality or anything like that, but I know with myself, I'm, I'm, I'm very like all or nothing. And so when I put my hands on it and I would have that conviction and the Lord would just be like, would you stop it and let me do? And then well, I'll be fine. I'm just not doing anything. And then it would enter that squandering time. And it really is this balance of living in the tension between those because while God wants us hot or cold for him, like we have to be able to live with him in that. And I think he would probably rather us be hot, you know, for him than cold, but, but it's having the perspective, 
I really think the the answer of, of the meantime and how we can live in that richly, if that makes sense. Like we don't have to live in there and and be, you know, trying to do it all or do absolutely nothing, but we can live a really rich and fulfilled meantime season when we can fully trust him and when we know and we believe that he is God and he has a timetable that is so far beyond anything we can imagine. And I think about the story of Elijah and, oh, I just lost his name. Who did he give his mantle to? Elisha. Elisha. Yes. I, I think you're right. Elijah was the, but he, it, it was Elisha, I think, who, who was um, behind the oxen. He was doing the work and he was plowing. He was, that wasn't pretty work. And I'm sure it wasn't easy work, but he was doing the work. And then here comes Elijah and he throws his, his cape. He throws his, his cloak over him and he says, come on. And so if we're not where we need to be, then when the time passes for the come on, then we can, we can miss it. We can prolong it and we, we can't force it to be early. So it's just having trust and, and being able to see our days as purposeful. Like each day has a purpose and, and, tr- and living within that day. I definitely agree. And especially that, that tension of, like attention of transition or that in between time is where we, well, if we're willing, because we have to play a part in it too. <laughs> yes. You live in the presence and the day to day. And it's a discipline that has to be cultivated. And if you don't cultivate mm-hmm. it when you need to, it comes again. So I learned that yes. one the hard way. It'll come back and you will not like it. Um, <laughs> but we're supposed to be co laborers. So it's never God doing everything, or we, we definitely don't do everything. We, disasters that we see in the world are because of we see or link to that but he wants us to master that fragile balance of going to him daily and allowing him to lead us not getting too far ahead and not dwelling on the past because that's a big one that holds a lot of yes. women back. yes that right there and being able to work with god and understanding that that that's what we're supposed to do um i just recently got to enter into some conversation with some people about what if, you know, what if the fall never happened? And what if we were still living in the perfect that God created? And the question was, you know, would we need the technology that we have? Would we still make those technological advances? But it entered into this conversation with some about, you know, working and not working. And you would see in these conversations that, Somewhere on the side that, yes, we would still be working and working hard and we would definitely be making some sort of advancements for things. And then there were others that were on the ex- other extreme of, no, we just kind of sit back and hang out and relax and, and let God, you know, we would just be with God, uh, which I, I just from the story in Genesis, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and said, you know, work this, <laughs> I don't think that that is. I think we would still be working with him, you know, and working together. You know, there just wouldn't, I don't know that there would be as much toil because toil was the curse after the fall. I agree. Work is a form of worship. So I don't believe that we would be sitting back at all. We were all created with a specific purpose, with specific giftings that 
were created to glorify him. So I don't believe that we would be sitting back doing anything. We would all have work, but like you said, the toil wouldn't be there. So that's, I, I agree with your view because work in our society we've made works this negative thing mm-hmm. people are like oh i can't wait until the weekend i'm like oh that's a horrible way to live but anyway yeah. it, that's not how it's supposed to be that's right and it impacts our emotions oh. if we believe and we live from a mindset of that that way that this is this life we're living is a curse it, it really does and it also affects it just it affects everything because anything that messes with your mindset is going to affect every aspect of your life but work only became difficult and hard and toil you know taught me became more of a toil when after they were um, adam and eve were sent out of the garden that is not how it was intended to be yes and they even had work though they still worked in the garden Yes, we may not did. call it work, but it was work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are some ways that women can choose faith over fear during that in-between waiting time? Yes. So uh, you're, the obvious answer is in the question. It's a choice. And so we have to actually choose to believe and to have faith. I'm not entirely sure why, but for some reason, we as Christians have separated choice from our faith when Ephesians 2, 8 clearly says that it is by grace through faith that we have been saved. Grace isn't the choice. It's the gift that was given, but faith is, and faith is our choice and our choice to make. And so in every, every one of those mean times in every moment, we have the the choice to either choose faith or choose fear. But I think that one of the other driving forces of that is that we have to know, you know, we have to know the world and we have to know God more and we can't be naive to the world and our reality. And the fact that, you know, life is life and it's full of goods and full of bads, but we can't forget that, God is greater, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so we can't be oblivious to either side. We have to know and, and believe. And so the one thing that I really think and what I'm finding is that the root foundation of belief is one of the key aspects that is covered up. And I'm just like, again, in my own story, I discovered so many different limiting beliefs Uh, that were impacting the way that I viewed the world around me and the way that I viewed God and myself. And it really impacted my emotions and it impacted the choices that I was making in those meantimes. And so when we can get a hold of belief and know that God is God and he has good gifts for you, you know, then we can, we can believe that. But the struggle is when it comes to belief and especially belief for Christians and about God. And then not even like, let's take it a step further, Christian women, right? Because we have the still the separation in the church a little bit. And so for Christian women, we are for some reason under this belief that we are just to serve and submiss and and just serve and take care of everybody else and and forget about our own. And that's not the case at all, but belief I'm 
had to go and, and look it up for one lady and and belief is the acceptance that a statement or that is true or that something exists and then trust faith is the complete trust or confidence in someone or something and so what happens is we believe this god of eternity this god of the universe we believe that he can because he is god but we struggle to have faith and to trust that he will for us and i think about i was reminded of um, when i was in first grade the, my teacher this is the one thing i remember from first grade <laughs> um, my, my teacher she would not let us ask can i like if can i sharpen my pencil or can i get a drink she would always say well can you and what she was teaching us was not to ask can i but ask may i and so she was teaching us the difference in the ability and having the ability to do something and asking for permission and uh, oftentimes we know and we believe that God has the ability to do something because he is God. But what happens is where our belief is hindered, it then hinders our faith and we don't trust and we don't give him permission to work in our own lives. And that is, that is one of the biggest things that I think we can, we can flip the script on and we can say, okay, I trust God that he can do this for me and not only that he can, but that he will. And I am giving him permission to do so. That is, that's definitely a good memory from first grade. And it's a good distinction that she made for y'all. And people don't really realize that when they focus on fear, they're putting faith in their circumstances instead of God. So mm -hmm. your perspective should be like, where am I putting my faith? Am I putting my faith in God that he's going to be with me and carry me through? Or am I putting greater belief in that the, my fears and my circumstances are define how my life is going to go? And I think it's important there is a verse that says, choose life. You have before you life and death, choose life. But we still have that choice, even though the strong emphasis is on choose life, which, yes. you know, but I think as women, it's easy to focus on your circumstances because they're just around you. And some some of us, we're not really good at setting good boundaries and things like that. So we get overwhelmed and we just go for the first feelings that we get. And like you were saying that when we don't put our faith in God or we don't believe that he will do it for us, it really does put us at a disadvantage and it hinders us from actually living out our purpose in that specific time or, or moment. And so I think that's definitely, I'm glad you touched on that because that is a big area that I know that women struggle with. And we have to make sure that we take care of ourselves and our homes before we go and take care of others. Because yes. that is, I believe, the first ministry and the first responsibility. Yes, yes. So how can moms prioritize their emotional health? Well, <laughs> um, to actually choose to do it. <laughs> Uh, so we have this amazing choice that and this ability to choose and we just don't we react and when we are a mom we are reacting to the little people coming up to us you know <laughs> and <I have> <laughs> things. we react to the, the needs and the desires and the wants of our family and that's great be a good mom but we have to to know that our emotional health is so valuable 
It is so valuable. And again, the, the deeper issue on that that's halting us, because when I talk to you, these wonderful moms that I get a chance to, to work with and ask them this question, there is, you know, well, I don't have enough time. I'm too busy with the family, with the kids. I, um, I feel guilty for spending any time, you know, away from my kids or not, you know, 100% with them or not doing housework. I feel guilty if I spend any money on myself and there's this really guilt ridden, um, belief and what it is, is it's just covering up the truth that we all, that, that our emotional health is valuable. And the reality is it's pretty inexpensive. So it's not even something that you would have to and what happens and what I'm learning is that a lot of times we talk about doing something self-care moms tend to think of like going and spending two hours at a spa or getting their nails done or their hair done or leaving their kids you know overnight or something and an emotional health is something that we need to take care of every day just like we take care of our physical health every day so it's not those big things um it's the little things and so we have to, to really just choose to actually prioritize it and believe and know that it's, it's valuable, believe that we're worthy of it. That's a big one for women is our self-worth. It is attacked all the time. And especially in, with moms of, of younger ones, I hear it from them a lot more often because their children, you know, tend to need them at a more constant basis. They're not, you know, gone to school during the days or things of that sort. They haven't really fully stepped into some independence. And so there's just this really limiting belief that we're not worthy and that others matter more. And so we have to, we have to know that we are worthy and then set up boundaries and set up methods that you can make, create the space and cultivate the everything that you need in order to have that emotional freedom. I definitely agree. Self-worth is a, is a big thing. And as women, um, we tend to attach it to everything but what God says. <laughs> and so yeah. a lot of, a lot of, I have a lot of friends that have kids of various ages. Some have teenagers about to leave the house. Some have brand new babies. And a lot of times people will attach their, a lot of moms will attach their self-worth to how well their child does. And, or things that have no, really have no link. Those things don't have, you cannot control your child, especially once it's like a a teenager, (laughs) you can't control them. So I guess it's really important to not attach your self-worth to things that, that don't last or that you cannot control. If that, if that makes sense, because God have worth because we were created in God's image. That is why we have worth. That does not change regardless of the circumstance or anything like that. We can't control that either, but it is fact. And whether or not, again, the choice we choose to believe that or not, it does play a big role in, uh, I mean, emotional, mental, all aspects of health. And so I think that when we realize that we were created with worth, regardless of whatever is going on or whatever we have, whatever you don't have, then moms can make healthier decisions from that coming from that mindset as opposed to attaching their self-worth to you know what the magazines say you need to fix or you know your kids or whatever yes yes I agree 100% so what is emotional freedom and what are some steps that women can take to cultivate it okay so this is my favorite question that you have asked and I am so thankful 
that you asked this because there is this misconception that emotional freedom is living in bliss 100% of the time where everything is all rainbows and butterflies and that there is no negative emotions when that is, that's not the truth at all. That is unrealistic. And if you believe that that is emotional freedom, you will never have emotional freedom. So emotional freedom is the ability to feel and choose your own emotions. We are going to have things that, that trigger emotions and that we are going to have things that cause us to feel a specific way. But when we are not in control of what we do with those feelings and how long we feel them for, and then choose to redirect whatever needs to be redirected, then we do not have emotional freedom. And that's when it's time to start cultivating it. But when you reach the point when if something happens and it makes you sad, it brings about you maybe even some passionate anger or frustration when you have the ability to, to let that emotion be real and feel it for a moment, a moment, not all day, but a moment, and then decide what you're going to do with that. That's when you have emotional freedom. And so I have a few, you know, simple sets that I share with moms in order to cultivate emotional freedom. And I mean, it starts with cultivating the atmosphere. And so our atmosphere is what allows us to grow or hinders growth. And the only true way to really be able to cultivate that atmosphere is to be able to surrender to God. If we don't first surrender to God, then nothing else matters. And so, I mean, the son of man has come to set you free. You know, he is free is free indeed. You know, he is the way, the truth, the life. Like he is our steady ground, the solid ground and not the sand. And when the storms will life comes, when we build our, our home on that foundation, then we can go through them. And so when those emotions come, when those negative things come, if we have that steady ground, then, then we can get through them. We can step forward and move forward. But that is the, the first thing. And if there are some moms who I know who try to skip over that one. And the truth is that they can go through and they can master the other six steps because they're simple, right? They're simple. They're not easy. They're simple, but they can master the other six steps and still be missing something because Jesus is the only way he is freedom. And without him, we just have this false freedom that isn't really freedom at all. And so uh, some of the other things we, again, need to be able to cultivate belief. Affirmations are huge for creating beliefs. Those I am statements are even better. There are a lot of different affirmations out there, but if you can pull some I am statements from the Bible and who God says that you are, like that's the best. That's the best kind of affirmation you can have. Uh, cultivating space is another huge one. Being able to set up your method and create the space in your day. Uh, one of the things that I, I work with moms is happy mom hacks is what we call them. And we create this uh, PAM and it's this personal aromatherapy method, but it is a combination of personalized happy mom hacks. And one of the happy mom hacks that I shared with my group that they love was um, brushing their teeth. <laughs> there are so many moms who, especially if they're struggling with emotional freedom, do it takes everything they have to even get dressed in a day. 
or brush their hair, you know, the makeup, what's that? Um, but most moms do brush their teeth still. And so it's learning how to take those moments like that. So let's just say brushing your teeth and you do it quickly and you spend two minutes on it. So you have two minutes there that you can set some more intentions with and you can uh, do something. So whether you need to be able to let your mind go and process all of the things that you feed it during a day, or maybe you need to speak to your mind and tell it to do some more things. And th that's something that you can do in, in that moment that you're already doing. You're already brushing your teeth. Cultivating prompts is another simple step. We see these um, posts, especially in mom's groups on Facebook, you'll see like these big bold statements at the beginning of a post that says trigger warning. And what they're doing is they're telling you that, hey, this could possibly trigger some um, thoughts, memories, and emotions that are negative. So you might want to skip past it. And we all have those triggers in our day. But when we cultivate these prompts, what it does is it takes that idea of thoughts, emotions, and memories being triggered, and it adds intention to it. And we are able to then say, I'm going to create these triggers during my day to create some some of the thoughts, memories, and emotions that we want to feel, that we want to have. And using our five senses that the Lord gave us is the best way. Creating something that we can visually see that is like a happy space and can make us smile. It can prompt us. And we, we have to be intentional with this. And so um, it might be hanging a picture that you say, all right, every time I see this picture, I'm going to think of these three things that I'm going to say I am grateful for, fill in the blank. And you say you're grateful for this theme. It can be sounds. You're hearing a lot of the normal sounds of my day. And <laughs> this is actually a pretty muffled version of it. So I'm really thankful. But my daughter is the only girl I have of my four children. And she was the first one that I did not work with at all. And I was home with from birth. And my word, I felt some resentment. It was, that was a struggle that we went through. And there was a time period where every time she would cry and want me and say, mom, I would feel, I would have, that would trigger negatively in me. And I would feel some resentment. I would feel frustration. I would feel bitterness and sadness. And when the Lord showed me that I really had to be purposeful and really work on flipping that to be a positive thing. And um, aromatherapy is one that we're huge on using because our sense of smell is directly linked to our emotions and um, being able to, to uh, set those things. Um, my, we just had a funeral this last weekend. My great grandma passed and um, my mom sent me home with a couple of things from her. And one of them was um, a little doily that she had on her dresser. And I got it out of the bag and the aroma hit me. And that was like the first time through this process that I really like felt those strong emotions. And it's because of the power that scent has for us. The fifth little step is cultivating vision. And you hear definitely a lot more these days, I feel like. Um, or maybe it's just because I'm paying attention more, <laughs> but you hear people talk about uh, vision, visualizations and working with visualizations. And when I was first started hearing about them, it was just like this, it felt like this imaginary thing that you create in your mind and you just hope for this imaginary, you know, life of bliss that you're creating. 
And what was missing was the understanding that in order to really allow those visions that you're cultivating be actually worth it, it's when you can put reality into it and not that, you know, you don't want to ask because God is able to do far more than all we can ask, think, or imagine. But, you know, even the Bible says without vision, the people perish. And even just that scripture from Ephesians, like that he can do all more than we, we ask, think, or imagine. We have to be able to first imagine it before we can think about it and then ask for it. And so when we imagine it and we put that visualization to it, one of the key things is, is putting is seeing it and feeling it. And we have to be able to see it as reality and attach a very strong emotion like hope, joy, peace, love, all of those things that come from the Lord. And when we can attach those emotions to it, then it really makes a a lot bigger, a much bigger difference. And, And then the sixth step is to cultivate cause. You touched on this earlier that uh, we are a purposed people. And when we lose that sense of purpose, we lose a piece of ourselves. And there's all throughout the Bible scriptures that show us over and over again, how we were created with a purpose and on purpose. And so when we just go through the motions of our days, we're really not going anywhere. And we are becoming more, you know, embittered and we're losing that, that zeal for life where we, you know, just, we curse the work and we're just looking for the weekends and, and that's not how we're created to live. Um, but the last, the last simple step um, for cultivating this emotional freedom is um, cultivating intention. And so whatever you do, do it for the Lord, right? We, you know, whether we eat or sleep, you know, anything that we do, we do it for the Lord. And when we set our intention on something, it takes that decision and it makes it more definite. There is a resilience that comes like, I will do this. I will enjoy my children. One of my, uh, one of my affirmations that I had to write down is, you know, I will celebrate and enjoy my children more than I will discipline and correct them. I will unapologetically enjoy being with my children. And so my, kids. I have three boys. Uh, My oldest two, since my youngest is only just about one, my oldest two are the ones who have given me most of my experience. And uh, they, you know, just they're all boy and they bounce off the walls and everything else. And I remember a time where I was like, Lord, I can't take any more of this. They are driving me up the wall. And he simply dropped in my spirit. Well, you're closer to me. (laughs) And I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. And so, but with them, when we have our own relationship and we have our own way that we do life and that we live and what the rules and the boundaries that we have in our home. And what I learned is that it's not the same for everybody else. Different homes have different boundaries and expectations. And when my children would behave in a way that was within the boundaries and within our expectations of our family culture, but it did not fit into somebody else's family culture that we were around, I found myself becoming very apologetic and constantly saying, oh, I'm sorry for them. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way they're behaving when the truth is they weren't doing anything wrong. It was just a little outside of their perspective. And so when we can really cultivate our intentions 
and say, you know, I am going to enjoy this. I, I will have this. I will celebrate this. I will choose this. I will think this. I will feel this. I will believe this then that's when it takes everything else and it really solidifies it and becomes this thing that you just know in your bones and you will not step away from it. I think those are really good tips. And I think it's definitely important, as you were mentioning, to really take that time, like you said, for you to enjoy your children, enjoy the time spent with your children. That is definitely, unfortunately, becoming extremely countercultural now. Unfortunately, children are being seen as inconveniences, and it, it really is a problem, and it can put, like you were saying, that you would, would apologize for things that your kids would do, even though, you know, you set specific rules for them. I think it creates even more stress on moms, and it just adds to the whole, it just adds to the overwhelm and the, the expectations that moms have on themselves. Yes, it does. So you touched on the definition of emotional freedom, and this is what came to mind. Emotional freedom is the ability to master your emotions while experiencing them instead of allowing your emotions to master you. And this yes. is definitely something I see in our society now. Many of us either from, because you know, these things are generational, and if it's not talked about and not addressed, it, it is passed on to the children and they yes. live it out. Really learning to express emotions, especially the negative ones in a healthy way. So for the most part, what I've seen in a lot of my patients and clients, women are taught to suppress and then um, men tend to be allowed to release, especially things like anger. But you don't, mm -hmm. there's a specific way that you can experience these feelings and address them in a healthy way than what we're being taught. We're either being taught to suppress or just express all of them. And that's not necessarily, you know, the best <laughs> way to deal with that. And yes. I, like, you, like you were saying, it's, it's a choice and it's not always easy, but it, it makes a big difference. Those small, like you mentioned, day-to-day -day decisions to ch choose emotional health or choose things that help you build your emotional health as opposed to just you know like someone who doesn't have any purpose just allowing anything to just come in yes yes so right one of the one of my favorite books that i've read really touches on that and it's outwitting the devil by napoleon hill and that was one of the things one of the books that really took a lot of the things biblically that I don't know if you experienced this or, or what your faith journey has been like, but I was, I was an older teenager. I was 17 when I got saved and through 18 and 19 is when I was really, and definitely that 18 year, that was when I was really being taught and taking in the word of God for the first time. And so there have been so many things that like my spirit is at one with the spirit of the Lord. And when I'm reading these things in the Bible, I'm just like, yes, it's like this knowing in, in the depth of me and not having a full understanding in my mind. And so when I read that book, Outwitting the Devil, I was able to get more of a um, fullness and have some more mental and mind understandings. And it was just that when we make no, no choice at all, we are still making a choice and we're making a choice to give over control of our lives to the world around us. And that is never good. And that is not at all how we were created. So um, it's 
that that was just really wonderful and if you haven't read it definitely read it yeah, i haven't i even heard of it so i'll definitely have to check it out oh napoleon hill is becoming one of my favorites the more i am able to uh, listen to him and and the story of that book is is pretty awesome too so definitely check that one out i will so how can women make the best best of it during times of waiting and i think you've touched on it but do you have anything else to add to that yeah you know just being able to um to speak so we we have to be able to if i was going to say anything trust speak and praise and so trusting the lord like we've talked about this whole time that he will do this for us and and speaking notice i didn't say talk i said speak being able to speak the truth and speak the words and the promises and praising him for it that's just our way of saying you know what lord we know that you've already done this even though we haven't reached the point in time yet that it is done you have already completed it and we will get there and thank you lord that it's finished um and it's it's just kind of that you know that just keep swimming mm -hmm. mentality okay yeah. so it's it's that except with the trust and the authority so a lot of times people just keep swimming and they're just trying to get through when we can really, we can, we can just keep swimming. We can keep swimming, but we're swimming with trust and authority and knowing who our God is and who we are in him. And that changes everything. Having someone that's just one last thing, having someone to be able to, to be able to talk to, to be able to say, you know what, I really am feeling a little bit down. Can you please like just be my, be my shoulder. Let me, you know, shoulder, can we shoulder this together? And I think we also have to realize that when we're choosing these people, when we're choosing our someone, we need to find someone who loves us enough to kick us in the pants when we need it. Um, I thank the Lord. He sent many of those people into my life over the years and they are super helpful, but I have experience where women are like, you know what? I just want to be sad for a little while. Like, I don't want you to tell me you know, to focus. I don't want you to tell me. And I'm like, all right, that's fine for five minutes, have five minutes of not wanting that, but then get yourself up and let's go. And so we have to have somebody who can be that for us out of love because that's when it's a difference maker. That's when it's good. That's definitely true. One of the a pod, a interview I did with another woman, she was talking about, in her case, she was talking about domestic violence and she was talking about friends that knew that the that her um, ex-husband was abusive to her but didn't say anything until after you know they unfortunately mm. had divorce and they were like well I knew that something was off but I didn't want to hurt your feelings and I was like you are you mm. are complicit in all of yeah. that like it's I don't know when we started I think it's when we started adopting what the world does I don't know mm -hmm. when we started thinking that being nice to someone or not telling them the truth or not telling them that we see something that can be harmful to them, it not saying anything. And that really, and that's an area that just really annoys me, but that yeah, shows me that you're more concerned about yourself than that person's welfare. Because as we, as we know, in that situation, I mean, people get, women get killed. So I just yeah. think that it is 
you really have to be, you need to be selective with people that you surround yourself with anyway, but you definitely really want to make sure that you are going to find people who are going to tell you the truth, who see that you may be heading towards harm, even though you may not care to listen, but at least you've done your job in saying, hey, this is what I, this is where I see that your decisions or this decision is taking you. I care about you, not, I care more about you than you being mad at me for me telling mm-hmm. you the truth. And I th- think that that's a, a big area in which we have to make sure we screen appropriately. Yes, yes, you are so correct. So what are some simple mindset shifts that women can use to take back their day? Yeah, so um, just going back through things that I am worthy, that he will do it for me. That, and one of the biggest things is that this is not selfish. When we can shift our mindset and understand that when we take back the control, and of course, our, and our co-laboring with the Lord is in reference to that. So when, when God and I take back control of my life, it's a lot better than when I give control over to all of my children and my husband and every notification that comes in on Facebook or or whatever else. Like when we can understand that we are created and we are wonderful and that God loves us and that we are here for a purpose, when we can have the mindset of I am worthy, I am on purpose, I am loved, And I need, I owe it to my family to take care of myself. That way I can take better care of them and really getting, stepping past that guilt because that, that guilt or even, um, women who are working in corporate, like they still struggle with this mindset of, you know, we can't show up. We can't, you know, show out like you can be really awesome at something, but you might have to play it down depending on the, the area that you're working in. And so understanding like we are empowered, we are called and the call of a woman is to be a health. It is not to, you know, submiss and, and be a servant. There's a difference in that. And even serving biblically is serving different than the the servant of the world's definition. And so I think it is taking a moment and identifying. If I can ask the listeners to do one thing, it will be take a moment and identify some of those things that are coming up that that you see in your mind that's a halt. And um, if there's anything that's been spoken about or when you hear other podcasts teaching on things that are very empowering and inspiring. What are the things that you feel like this? Ooh, like you just ran into a wall. Like, Oh, that's not true. I don't know about that. Pay attention to those things, write them down. So you don't forget it. And then spend some time thinking about it, praying about it and go to the word and find what it is that, that the, what the truth is. Because when we find the truth, then we are able to shift those mindsets. That is very true. I like the way you said that a while back where you're saying that God and I, we both take control. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that people don't really think about. 
because we decide to surrender and give God control of our lives. But that doesn't mean we just sit around and do nothing. We are still responsible for making the decisions yes. we need to make to, you know, live out that purpose or, you know, be that good friend, whatever it is in whatever context mm -hmm. you're thinking of, there's multiple. But I think that's important yeah. that you mentioned that because some people think, oh, God is going to come and do everything for me. And then, of course, we have the extreme where, <laughs> where some people are like, I'm going to do everything for God without yes. sitting down and realizing that there is a, it's a fragile, I would say it's a fragile balance because we often get thrown off by distractions. The thing is, come yes. back after you're thrown off, come back. And so I think it's really important that you mention that because I think that it's often overlooked. It really is. And I think about being a mom and being in the middle of motherhood right now, I, I really think about uh, my children. And so at first, you know, I worked in youth ministry. So I was in youth ministry for years before I had kids. And then I started having kids and was still serving in youth ministry while raising them. And and so I see these teenagers who, and you think about that choice of like, but surrendering, but still doing, you know, and still having a responsibility, the things that you do. And you see, I saw these teenagers who were either doing whatever they wanted, mm -hmm. you know, or they weren't really doing much of anything. And, and so of course there are some fabulous teenagers. I'm not saying that they're all like that, but uh, it, there is a family group specifically that I remember and they had several kids and they were all busy all the time, great parents. And I remember asking and talking to this mom when I noticed such a difference in her children and most of the others in, inside of this youth ministry, I'm like, what did you do? She's like, I taught them how to make their own choices and make the correct choices. I'm like, okay, I need more information than that. Yeah. But the truth is you can't have more information than that. But I think about my son. So I have one of my sons, he, God love him. He is very capable and very talented and very smart and very able. Uh, however, he just doesn't want to. And um, there are things like he just, he wants you to do it for him. And so uh, if we're working on homework, you know, or if, if he's trying to, you know, clean something up or I've, I've commissioned him to do something mm -hmm. and he then is, well, I need help. And, and it's like, he feels like, and there are reality, like there are some things that he does need help with, but thank the Lord for wisdom and discernment and that we know our kids and that, um, that I know the things that he really does need help with and the things that he doesn't, but he wants me to do things for him. And he doesn't grow that way. And I keep trying to explain to him, honey, you have to do this. You have to think this through you. I will not give you all of the answers. I will point you in the right direction. And then you have to figure this out or else you're not going to be able to figure out other things that you need to when you get older. And we act like that. We either act like a rebellious teenager trying to do it all our way with no surrender, no authority at all. Or we think just like you said, when we're surrendered to the Lord, that we are just to be a little infant who doesn't do anything and we let God do it for us. And obviously, I mean, it's biblical that there is a, a time in, in our, our relationship with God, it is like being reborn again. We become, you know, spiritual infants, but we have to grow. And my children right now are in the middle of growth, all four of them, and they are outgrowing everything we have. And we're like, oh my goodness, we have to go get more. 
And I was just thinking about the, the miracle this morning of what that growth is and that they don't do anything for their body to physically grow. I mean, of course, there's taking care of your body, you know, at the fundamental uh, stages that you need to and eating and sleeping and drinking water, but they're not telling their foot. They're not saying foot grow, foot grow. You know, it's just doing it. There's a natural growth and there has to be a natural growth within us spiritually and emotionally and mentally also, because if there's not, then we're, I mean, we just stay infants. And if you had a, a patient who was remained an infant their entire life, you would be worried. Like if there wasn't growth, there's a cause for worry. And so we have to allow that also. And, and there's times where we have to let God hold our hands as we're walking, but we have to be okay for when he lets go too. That's very true. And I actually think that having children is the model that he shows that to us. Now, I don't have any kids, but I have friends that have kids and I just watch them and I'm like, oh, there's another lesson right there. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just kind of crazy. But the thing is that you're, you're talking about your son, that he, he is fully capable, fully, but he does <laughs> not want to. And mm -hmm. I look at it and I see people in our society who they, they were not challenged to do anything for themselves. And it's not, it's not good. That's all I have to say. It's not good. <laughs> yes. So moms, because I know sometimes moms feel like, oh, this is the worst job ever. No, that being a mom is a very important job. It's a very important job. And if you don't take it seriously, we have adults running around that are, they're adults, but they're, they're infants in behavior or toddlers yes. in behavior. And it really is a problem. It's not good for society. Oh, no. You think no. about the, the, the terrible twos that's being dubbed. And as of the last maybe five years or so, I've heard uh, the term three-nager. And if we don't do our jobs and we don't do what we are purposed to do as their mothers, then they're going to be living in those terrible twos in the three-nager years the rest of their lives. And that is not fair to them. And it definitely isn't fair to anybody there around. And it is so, not. Yes, you are so right. It is not fair to anyone that they're around. That is <laughs> definitely accurate. Motherhood is definitely a very, I think it is the most important job. A lot of people look out and look at all these other things. But the thing is, if you haven't mastered and taken care of your home, it doesn't really, those, those other things don't really matter if you look at it yes. in the big picture. Oh, yes. You also mentioned Great. earlier that, you know, some women in corporate, some mom, working moms who are in corporate will downplay their gifts. And so mm -hmm. that can be looked at in multiple different ways. But when we downplay our gifts, our gifts were given to us by God and they reflect his glory. So if we downplay our gifts, we are downplaying the fact that God gave us those gifts and we were supposed to use them. And yeah. so I have, and they're not necessarily Christian, but I have some colleagues and friends who this is something that they have. So they have, they have a family, they have kids, but they're not in their positions. They're not actually able to use their giftings. Again, like you said, kind of downplaying their skills, but what they do is they find other areas in which they can use those giftings. So whether it's in a nonprofit or the variety of different things you can do outside of work. So they're not stagnating. They're still using that gift, but not necessarily in that context of work which I think is also another healthy way to, it's a healthy way to express that because sometimes you, if you look at 
you, you need to be able to, you know, make sure your kids can eat, make sure they they have a stable home environment, all of those things. So I think that that balance that they found is a really cool way to still make sure that you are using those gifts and talents that you were given, even though it's not in your specific context of work. Yes, there is such a misconception about things like, like what you were just talking about of, well, I'm not able to use my giftings and talents in my job. So I'm just not going to use them because I have to have a job and make money and, you know, take care of my family and, and all of these things. And then there's the, the context. Um, I was, when you were describing that, I was thinking about when I felt called into the ministry and my understanding of the ministry at that point was this within the four walls of a church facility. And it wasn't until um, recent years where the Lord like really just stripped me of that understanding. And, and that was tough. Every time God strips you of something like let him, it is hard but there's a reason for it and there's a purpose for it because after I finally let go of that and just threw my hands up, like, whatever, God, I'm done. If you really want it, you can have it because I really can't hold on to it any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was able then to open my eyes and show me that it is not, it is so much more. We, his people are the church. This is his world. And just like you were saying with your friends, like if we use our gifts and abilities to serve in any manner, even if it's not a conventional thing, even if it's not what brings in the money, even if it's not, you know, whatever our preconceived ideas of this would look like, we are still using that to serve God's people and glorify him. And that is the point of it all. You think about the servant and the Bible, like they were told to continue to serve their master and to, and to do so with gladness and, and to not be, you know, a bad slave. And, and that would then show God's glory and we pay our debts. You know, we, we do those things, but it's when we can be our full self without putting these limits on it of, if it's something that is a job, um, like, again, it's finding our identity and our value in those external things. And that is not the case. We find our value and who God created us to be. And when we can find our value there, that's when we can really live in that emotional freedom and just take back control of our days. And we do that when, again, we can create that cause and we know that we are purpose people and we can do things to help others. That is definitely very true. When you were talking about how God strips us of, th of things, which that's not a pleasant experience, but when he strips <laughs> us of things, I thought of this class that I'm taking that my sister and I took it a while back, and it's called the Strategic Life Alignment. And I was listening to one of the modules yesterday, and he said that faith is really a testing of our worldview. So the things that we pick up from the world, and God's like, nah, wrong, that's not that's not the that's not the view that I need you to have that is not the accurate view and then he strips it which of course we know is a very very painful experience but that's what popped into my head because I'd never heard anyone say describe faith in that way but I really thought about it and I was like the things that have been stripped from my life are really things that were not true. There are things I believed true because everyone around me or you know society whatever said they were true for example so I'm a I tend to be very high achieving. That's just, it's just 
that's just how it is. And so there was a time in my life where I just kind of inadvertently looked at my achievements of, oh, these things define me. That was stripped. I was not thrilled. But now I'm, I am in a better place <laughs> years later. Realize that I am, those achievements do not define me. But it, it just, I don't know, that definition that he gave, I was like, wow, that is really true. I've never heard this. Yeah, that is so good. So can you tell us how people can get in touch with you, how, and especially tell us a little bit more about your interactive Bible study. Yeah, thank you. So I do have a webpage that is brennastanford.us, and you can find the links to the Facebook group and other connecting places there. And I have a little, it's called Three Happy Mom Hacks. You can you can get that. It's downloadable. And then of course the Facebook group, Empowered Motherhood, Happy Mom Hacks and Mindset Tool. The devotion, man, that is one of those things that as we're talking about trusting God in the meantime, this devotion, I used to say God birthed it in me not long after I had my first son. But what I realized now is that God only conceived it in me then. And I was really struggling adapting to mom life and motherhood. And I, through the years, have learned that I have a lot or have had a lot of different beliefs, some negative, some as a result, different life experiences and everything else. But I was really struggling with not having my time and not being able to like, you were saying you're an overachiever and, and that's just, you know, you're really driven in that manner. That's how you're created. Well, I want to like literally sit at a coffee shop or outside all day and be able to study. I could be a lifelong student. There are a few areas that just like, they make me geek out <laughs> and I could study them all day long and not do a single other thing. And so when I became a mom and not only a mom, but a working mom, like that was one of those things that was like, I felt like it was taken away from me and I really struggled. And the Lord woke me up one night with this imagery of a woman who gave less than everybody else around her, but gave more because she gave out of her poverty. And all I remember thinking was, is that a scripture? And so of course <laughs> I grabbed my phone and do a little Google search and find the story in Mark of the woman who gave less than two pennies or less than a penny. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was watching them, you know, give to the temple treasury. And he told his disciples, this woman has given less than a penny, less than anybody else in here, yet she has given more because she gave out of her poverty. And in that moment, God just told me, he's like, I see you. You might not be able to give me all of your time to be able to hang out and study like we used to and, and dive into the Hebrew and Greek translations of things and, and timeline it out. Like you might not be able to do that right now. That's okay. I've given you this other purpose in raising this child. So give me what you can give me just two minutes. And I had noticed around that time period, I would be at my kitchen sink and there was a little window out it and uh, my backyard. I loved my backyard. And I would think, man, I really want to be hanging out out there reading right now. And it would just, the scriptures would drop, like pray always pray without ceasing. And, you know, so I'd be washing bottles and just praying, Jesus, thank you. You know, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was, it was conceived in that. And so when 
he, he gave me, he started giving me these things and showing me like, Hey, we have something here that we're going to work on. I was like, all right, Lord, let's do it. Because while I'm not necessarily a super high achiever, it's not that I've always wanted to be the best, but I'm ready to do something right now. And so there's not a lot of, of patience and waiting. It's like, okay, let's go have fun, but let's do it right now. Let's mm-hmm. not wait until tomorrow. So it was like, it was the same way. And I started creating and writing this devotion. And then I found out I was expecting our second son. And so I set it down and then I picked it back up. And then I set it down. I picked it back up over and over again. And I think it was last May we... It was, it might've been two Mays ago. Anyways, there was some some time in the last year or two, I tried to get the devotion self-published. I had learned some different skills and design work and things like that to do on the computer. So I'm like, oh, great. I can do this and I can, you know, print it here at this shop and, you know, spiral bound it and it'll be great. Right. And God just would not let it happen. And it wasn't until we had a whole bunch of other stuff. We found out we were expecting our fourth child. My husband, we were, we lived for probably two years. You talk about in the meantime, we lived for about two years in this, in the meantime, living in the, I don't even have the word for it, but living in this waiting period of what are we going to do? Are we going to move? Are we going to open this business that you want to open? Are we going to continue where we are? If we continue where we are, we still have to move because this doesn't make sense for us anymore. And it was just this big waiting period. And that was not easy, but it was just this, God's got it. And when we need to know, we'll know. And so God, again, gave us at the, um, at the end of last year, he gave us this really fast paced move. Like he works in my life. That's just how he works. And, and so there's a whole lot of waiting, but when the move is time, you better just hang on because God's doing it. And so that's what it was like in the beginning of the year. We literally spent new year's day, moving all of our stuff out of our home that we bought a year after we got married and brought all of our babies home in. And we had, you know, well, that was going to be our forever home. We moved from there and into a camper trailer Uh at a like a horse pasture in the country. And we lived there for a month and God, you know, gave us the home that we're in right now. But it was this really fast paced move. And after we got here and we got started getting settled, then of course, other things hit our world and things shut down. And so there was again, this Lord, what are we doing? I, I again thought I had a plan that was his plan. And so I started trying to work towards it. And in that working though, in the taking step forwards, just doing anything I could to take step forwards, knowing that God would lead me. He did. And he brought in some other really awesome, um, strategic things and skills that I didn't have prior. And I was able to learn those and work on those. And it was the minute, like there, I, I'll, I'll never forget. There was this moment. It's like, he turned on this light bulb in my mind. I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And the only huh. other time I felt that is when is, is the one night that God did that with my husband, we were just hanging out and And then it was like, in one moment, he turned on the light bulb and was like, okay, I'm going to marry him and we're going to spend forever together. And that, and there was no question. And so it was the same thing with this devotion. And so in 15 days, God had me completely rewrite the devotion 
what we had created all those years ago was just the skeleton. It was just the frame of it. And we completely rewrote it, added in videos. So readers can text a keyword to my number and it will send them a video. There are pro tips and there are challenges. Uh, there's really reflective type of questions. And this devotion, what I love about it is how interactive it is because it's also linked up with our group. So you'll want to join the group so you can be a part of the conversation there. But it, it also grows with you. And so I was really like, I felt the Lord really show me that we're going to create something that if a mom is super busy and can only like read a scripture and grab a pro tip, then that can feed them for that moment and they can go on. If they have a little more time and maybe, you know, their kid will eat breakfast, be able to feed themselves and they can just sit at the table while a child is feeding themselves. Then they can read through and ask some of these questions and, and really be able to begin to do some spirit work inside that only, you know, only you and God can do. And then of course there are the, there's the videos that can be texted and sent to you. And, um, then there's a challenge each day. So each day has that set up. There's a scripture, a little devotion about it, a couple of questions a video, a pro tip and a challenge. And then the prompt is, Hey, let's go post about it. Go share about it in a Facebook group and let's do this life together because we really need each other. And so that you can find all that information on the website. Also Brenna Stanford.us. And, and we are, the devotion is called just two minutes. So that's the little tab you will click is just two minutes. We're in the middle of raising funds. For publishing, I am actually so excited to get ready to, and that was another God thing. I was trying to put it all together myself mm -hmm. <laughs> and then do the online printing thing. And there were so many like red flags and so many uncertainties that kept coming up. And then God opened the door for this uh, Christian publishing house. And we were able to get connected in a very easy manner. And it, I just really felt like it was from the Lord. And so um, they get to do the design where it's like going to be a legitimate book and not mm -hmm. just a little spiral bound something stuck together. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. And I just cannot wait to see what happens when it gets into all these mama's hands. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Wealthier Together podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend.